Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here we are on episode number 161, talking about week number nine and the review. Man, what a crazy week it was in the NFL. Uh, there were many upsets on Sunday, fantasy surprises, and sadly, uh, many fantasy surprises were of the negative kind, leaving any dynasty managers like me uh, disappointed. Um, I split the uprights almost this week, you know, not finishing uh, six and four, not quite five and five, 50 50, but did manage to get a win late last night. Um, six and four. It could have been better, could have been worse. As always, uh, at the end of the weekend, I always try to remind myself win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and it's fun to watch and cheer on my dynasty teams so after following all the games this week uh, here's going to be a few of my thoughts on the players and situations and the impact they've had on our dynasty teams 10 observations we'll talk a little waiver wire and then i'll talk about trades that took place in my week in my leagues uh in week nine so here's 10 observations from week number nine. First, uh hard setting lineups uh, before talking about the actual games i first wanted to talk about the Terrible week for setting lineups. A rash of bad news impacted Dynasty teams uh, before the, the week even started last week. Derrick Henry had surgery and is out for at least the remainder of the fantasy season. Uh, Calvin Ridley stepped away from football to hook on his mental health. Michael Thomas announced that he had a setback in his recovery and so he's not going to return this season. Aaron Rodgers got COVID and sparked a national controversy over it. Uh, Noah Fant also was placed on the COVID list. Then Henry Ruggs... Uh, Killed a woman and her dog, unbelievable, in a high-speed crash that led to his arrest and then the team cutting him. And then several players were suddenly moved to the IR in the middle of the week. Others were designated to return, but were going to be reportedly on a pitch count for this this week. Uh, there, there were only three afternoon games, too, which made it really hard uh, if you had a player to throw in your line, starting lineup. And another, you know, if you had another player that was declared inactive, you didn't know what to do because there were so many players that were playing early, but not in the late games. I think I changed my starting lineup more this week than I did in any other week so far this season and wrestled with every decision that I made. It was just not a very fun week leading up to kickoff. So before we even talk about the games, I would say this was just a terrible week as far as setting your lineups and all the bad news that, that led up to the week starting. Second thing I'll mention is upsets are upsetting. Uh, once the kickoffs arrives, did arrive, um, it turned into a week full of upset. Uh, several home favorites got smashed by visiting teams, including the Cowboys, my Cowboys, the Rams, the Saints, the Bengals, and then the Bills lost to the Jaguars on the road in a game that wouldn't have been 9-6. to six. <laughs> These upsets were upsetting to their fan bases, uh, but also to dynasty managers because apart from garbage time points in the case of Dak Prescott, uh, losing quarter quarterbacks brought down the fantasy production of all the players on their teams. Uh, what was true of NFL in, game, in Week 9 was true of many of Dynasty matchups as well. I know I was favored to win in four out of the, the, four out of the six games that I lost this week. And uh, I had a painful experience 
and we've all had that before where you're just watching the winning percentage, <laughs> you know, on your, depending on which, you know, for, platform you're on, just watching the winnage per, winning percentage drop and drop and drop as the day went by on Sunday. Uh, thankfully, I think some NFL teams are going to bounce right back in their fantasy production along with them. But a few teams, I'm starting to have um, like a real concern for for their uh, future impact uh, impact on their teams. Speaking of which, we'll go to my third. I'll say just forget about it. And while I'm willing to chalk up upset losses to a bad week rather than a trend for a few teams, um, I'm not concerned about the Cowboys, the Rams, or the Bills. Uh, I think that they're they're going to just kind of eat some humble pie this week, and they're going to bounce right back next week. It's not as if you would consider benching uh, any of the fantasy-relevant players on these teams. But I want to reassure everyone out there that I think that there's nothing to be concerned about with the likes of Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke Elliott, Cooper Rush, uh, or Cooper Cup, rather, (laughs) Robert Woods, Daryl Henderson, Stephon Diggs. Nothing to worry about with these guys. Um, I didn't see anything that made me think that the defenses have figured them out. I just think this was just a really bad week for these three offenses. Uh, So stay the course with these players. But to my next point, number four, uh, I think where there's smoke, there's fire with other teams. I am uh, concerned about the offenses of some teams who've just put together now consecutive weeks of poor production. Um, I'm worried about the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Saints. Uh, The Saints have the excuse of losing their starting quarterback. As mediocre as Jamison Winston was, uh, he could still move the offense better than the Saints' backups, Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. They both played on Sunday. Uh, I think Alvin Kamara, I'm afraid, I think he's going to see a dip in his production for the rest of the season. Uh, he's really the only player that defenses need to try to stop, and I think they're going to focus all their attention on him because he's the only uh, difficult player on their team. Then since the Bengals upset road win over the Ravens in Week 7, which led them to the number one seed in the AFC their offense has just been stifled since then. In the last two games, Joe Mixon has uh, found the end zone uh, three times, but he's only averaging 50 yards rushing per game. I think defenses are giving more attention to Jamar Chase, um, and he's had the worst two fantasy games of the season. Well, you could say for him since he's a rookie, the worst two fantasy games of his career the last two weeks. He's just averaging 39 yards per game after, you know, Three weeks ago, 201 yards in a game. The Chiefs on the also are in this pack. They averaged 34 points per game in the first seven weeks of the season, but have averaged half of that the last two weeks. Uh, something's wrong with that offense, and Patrick Mahomes is proving to be human, you could say. Uh, he's already uh, thrown more interceptions with 10 than he did the entire regular season last year when he only threw six during the regular season. And Tyreek Hill's producing somewhat for dynasty managers, particularly in PPR leagues, but he's no longer giving managers the weak winning games with big plays. And Travis Kelsey's on the worst stretch of play in five or six years of his incredible career. So something's wrong with these offenses. And while you can't leave the best you know, fantasy players on these teams out of your starting lineups, you do have to temper expectations, and you have to question, really, you have to question if your dynasty team's has the ability to compete for a championship if you've got these players and thinking that they were going to ride you to a championship. I'm just not sure that they can do it on these teams whose offenses are really struggling for good reason. Next thing I'll mention is the Giants problem. Giant problems. 
while Dynasty managers eagerly await, myself included, Saquon Barkley's return, only Devontae Booker is worth putting in starting lineups. Uh, the Giants are content to win games with defense, and they have no faith in Daniel Jones because his pass attempts per game are falling week to week to week, and his banged-up receiving core uh, just can't help the offense. Uh, Sterling Shepard used to be a reliable starter in PPR leagues, but he can't stay off the injury report. Kenny Galladay finally made his return to play this week, but he just had two catches for 28 yards. Kadarius Toney uh, had his one breakout week in week five, but has been injured or just unproductive in every game since. Uh, even uh, Evan Ingram you know, finally scored a touchdown for the first touchdown of the, of the season this week. But that take that play away, and he just had two catches for eight yards. The Giants are on a bye week this week, and if Barkley isn't back the following week, this offense is in serious trouble. And Dynasty managers to just avoid all the players at all costs. It's really just Saquon Barkley when he comes back and Devontae Booker, who's played pretty well as a backup when Barkley's been gone. Other than that, this offense, you just got to avoid it altogether. Next, we'll talk about the Rugless. We'll call it the Rugless, Rugsless Raiders. Uh, Sunday was the Raiders' first game without Henry Ruggs, who they cut after his arrest this week. Um, it was the first chance to see what the offense would look like without the speedy deep threat, and it didn't look very good. Um, I hope this would be finally the opportunity for Brian Edwards to merge as Carr's leading receiver, but he didn't. Uh, though he was on the field for 59 snaps, he ended the day with no catches on four targets. Uh, Darren Waller, predictably, led the team in targets with 11 and receptions with 7, but the rest of the targets were primarily just checkdown passes except for one 20-yard down-the-field catch by Zay Jones. Um, it's just a one-game sample size, uh, so I don't want to get too you know extreme on my thoughts on it, but it just wasn't a promising day for Brian Edwards truthers like myself. The Raiders are apparently signing Deshaun Jackson uh, to fill a similar role to Ruggs. Uh, perhaps he can help them, but he's not likely going to help Dynasty teams. Apart from Waller, it's hard to be confident starting any Raider right now, especially when Kenyon Drake outtouched Josh Jacobs again, and both of them have been on and off the bench battling injuries. A very uh, frustrating offense, even though the team has played pretty well this year. Uh, the rugless Raiders uh, really are quite a conundrum for from a Dynasty perspective. Next, we'll say a uh, blast from the past. Uh, James Conner, he won or cost weeks on Sunday. And Jordan Howard, once again, is a leading running back in Philadelphia. Uh, Conner, of course, went ballistic on Sunday, single-handedly costing me two dynasty games that I played against him. Uh, Chase Edmond got injured on the Cardinals' first play, offensive play, and then Conner was off to the races in their blowout defeat of the 49ers. The Conner's kind of last-minute scratch of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins uh, led to a conservative run-heavy uh, game plan led by uh, you know backup quarterback Colt McCoy, Hook'em Horns. The only backup quarterback to win a game this week, he was. Um, I've loved Connor uh, and was just so surprised to see that Pittsburgh let him go in Arizona. Uh, he's an aggressive rushing style. His power and short yardage have been on full display this season. He carried fantasy teams with you know, touchdowns this season. Uh, but this week, he was unleashed as a lead running back after the injury, and he was involved in the running game and the passing game. Uh, he moved from the gotta-have-a-touchdown category to an every-week starter uh, while Edmonds is injured, that's for sure. I think the Cardinals are going to Cardinals are going to be smart with him, though. I think they'll get, you know, Benjamin uh, some more touches in the coming weeks. More on that in a minute. Uh, 
Uh, but incredible how he led uh, the all running backs this week, smashing 40 points in a week. So annoying if you were playing against him. Hey, cheers to you if you had him. Another blast from the past, though, was Jordan Howard. Uh, once a reliable uh, dynasty asset, he's moved literally this season from the waiver wire to actually a considerable starter after his performances the last two weeks. Howard led the team with touches and it was 17, and he scored a touchdown for the second week in a row. He had two last week, two touchdowns last week. I just think while Miles Sanders is on IR, Howard has moved from the start him if you're desperate category to a very startable player. Philadelphia, for some reason, has like totally changed their scheme, and they've committed to the run this week and last week. And this week they did it even though they were trailing in the game. So I think their offensive philosophy is changing, and Howard's the one reaping the benefits while Sanders is absent. Amazing. These two guys that were stars, you know, years ago, now are back on our radar and playing great. Next, I'll talk about the 49ers. I'll call it on the field and out of the doghouse. The 49ers welcome back George Kittle, back on the you know back on the field, and then they let Brandon Ayuk uh, out of the doghouse uh, in a game when they were trailing from the get-go. The 49ers were forced to pass, and this week Kittle. And Ayuk were the top targets ahead of Debo Samuel. Uh, Kittle was supposedly on a pitch count, but you wouldn't know it when he had 43 snaps and he caught six of eight targets and had 101 yards. And then Ayuk had his best game of the season, scoring 15.7 fantasy points. Uh, the 49ers' offense, I think, is at full capacity now, which means that Samuel's targets are going to are going to drop. Uh, Dynasty managers can't rely on Samuel to carry the team like he did the first half of the season. Uh, Kittle just demands too many targets, and Ayuk is finally back in Shanahan's good graces, apparently. Both of them looked awesome on Sunday, and their dynasty value finally deserves to rise again, while Samuel's value is going to take a little dip. Uh, hopefully, managers that had Debo on their rosters, like me, uh, I've been, you know, he's one of my favorite players, like I talked about last week. Uh, hopefully, he rode our teams to success and uh, gives us a high chance of making the playoffs after the way that the season started. Um, I think we need to hang on the rest of the season, though, because uh, Kittle and Ayuk, I think they're going to start to catch up to us, and Samuel's value is really going to drop, or his production is going to drop now that the team is fully healthy. Kittle's back on the field, Ayuk back in the good graces of Shanahan. Next thing I'll mention, two more here. Uh, I'll call it Purple People. <laughs> the most exciting game of the week was a matchup of Purple on Purple, the Ravens and the Vikings. They battled in overtime in a back-and-forth affair. And I believe it was the third overtime game for each team, which is pretty wild. Uh, Minnesota promised to get Dalvin Cook more involved this week, and they sure did. Uh, he had a 100-yard day, but he was uh, unable to find the end zone. Uh, Kirk Cousins actually snuck one in uh, on a quarterback sneak ahead of him after he couldn't get in on some goal line touches. We got Justin Jefferson. He was finally back to life, scoring a touchdown for the first time since week four. And Adam Thielen spared fantasy managers by scoring a touchdown with just one of his two catches. I think, sadly, Thielen deserves, deserves right now to be thought of as a you know, touchdown-dependent player at this stage of his career, which is sad to see happen. It's not hard to, you know, it's hard not to start him, though. And then there's Lamar Jackson. He went nuts again, 100 yards rushing, uh, 300 or, or three touchdown passes. Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman, they were his most productive targets, although Brown scored most of his fantasy points in overtime, that should be noted. And then Mark Andrews uh, had more targets than Bateman. I think Bateman's very close to becoming an every-week starter in fantasy lineups, which is exciting. Uh, his future is bright. 
as is the future of two other rookie wide receivers that we'll talk about from this class, which is my last point, point number 10, observation number 10, uh, two rookies had breakouts. It was really fun to see um, Elijah Moore have his uh, first breakout game on Thursday night, and then Devonta Smith had his best fantasy game since week one. Uh, Moore's injuries prevented him from you know an early season breakout, though he earned a starting role with the team uh, once the season started. And Smith also was a starter week one and scored a touchdown in his first NFL game, but had been kept out of the end zone until Sunday afternoon when he had his second 100-yard receiving game and had a touchdown. Um, Moore had a two-touchdown game on Thursday and looked very explosive in his run-after-the-catch ability. Looks so great. Uh, this strong wide receiver rookie class is really looking good, and it's fun to see them begin to break out in the rookie seasons. Uh, Dynasty managers with these men on their rosters uh, have to be uh, excited, rightfully excited, to see them play and have hopes of seeing them really in their starting lineups for like the next decade, which is always so fun to see when you grab a rookie like that. Those are my observations for week number nine. Let's talk just a little waiver wire, and then we'll talk some of the trades. And there were a lot of trades in my leagues this week. Uh, on the week nine waiver wire, just a real quick reminder, I play in 27 to 30-man roster leagues. And so the players that I list here are for deep leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, certainly there's much better players to pick up on the, off the waiver wire than this. But if you're in a deep, true dynasty league, these are the players that I would recommend. It's a pretty bad week on the waiver wire, I think. But there is one player that I'm particularly interested in, and we'll talk about him first. And that would be Eno Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin was the clear backup to James Conner after Chase Edmonds left the game uh, with his injury. Um, he made the most of his first touches in the NFL, carrying the ball nine times for 39 yards and a touchdown. Edmonds likely to miss you know several weeks of the high ankle sprain. If that's the case, Benjamin's you know going to be the next guy up. I don't think Benjamin's going to get the kind of workload that Edmonds did. It's not going to be a one-for-one replacement as far as snaps. But I think he's going to get a lot more touches than nine like he had this this Sunday. Once he's worked actually into the game plan like he will be this week. The Cardinals need to do everything they can to keep Connor healthy for the long haul. Uh, so they need to give Benjamin more carries than he had on this Sunday. Uh, Benjamin was a great NFL prospect, even though he fell to the seventh round of NFL drafts. Most dynasty managers have carried him, you know, carried him through much of his rookie season, but somewhere the, along the way likely dropped him. I know I've had him on many teams that I've dropped him and one where I've kept him in a league where I have a taxi squad that he's just stayed on the taxi squad. So he's one of those players that we, you know, we kept holding out hopes for, but never got to see. Well, now he's finally on the field and I think he should be added back to every dynasty roster uh, this week. He's the number one ad for this week for sure. Next thing I'll mention is Olamide Zacchaeus. Uh, This week it was very unclear who stands to gain in the Atlanta offense while Calvin Ridley let, you know, leaves the team for mental health reasons. Um, I thought it would be Tajay Sharp or Russell Gage. Instead, this week it was Zacchaeus, uh, at least for this week. Zacchaeus played over half the snaps, uh, half as many snaps as Sharp and Gage. So they were they were the you know top snap guys. Zacchaeus played half the snaps, but he was the one that found the end zone twice, two times out of his three catches. He definitely needs more playing time before I'd encourage every dynasty manager to pick him up. Uh, but he's worth adding in very deep leagues. Someone to keep your eye on, too, to see if his snap count can rise to the same uh, level as Taji Sharp or Russell Gage. Atlanta offense uh, came back to life, surprisingly, this last week. That's it for the waiver wire this week. Not much there. I think uh, one more I mentioned maybe would be Deshaun Jackson. Uh, once Deshaun Jackson, if he does sign with the Raiders, uh, he's worth just at least adding uh, to a roster as the kind of last player on your roster. 
Let's talk some uh, week nine trades. As I always say, it's hard to grade a trade in a vacuum since scoring systems are different. Each league is different. Uh, every uh, you know roster construction is different, which is why you know I talk about trades that actually happen in my leagues and try to give perspective on what the owners were thinking, uh, at least from what I can tell from what they were trying to do. So we had a pretty busy week this week in trades. It's that time of the year. Teams are deciding if they're rebuilding or if they're win now, and it's, it's happening. Lots of trades were made this week. First one here was a big one. Debo Samuel was traded for Devonta Smith in a 2022 first and second round pick. Crazy. Debo Samuel for Devonta Smith in a first and second round pick. I'm in this 10-team league that I'm in. Uh, three teams are 5-3, and three, and four teams are 4-4, four and four, so there's no clear team at the top. And in this case, all the teams, uh, the two teams that made this trade, are still uh, contenders for the season. Uh, this trade was made between two of the teams that are 5-3. and three. I think one manager just wanted the immediate impact of, of Samuel rather than waiting on Devontae Smith's development. And I think he was too impatient. I think he gave it way more than he should have in Samuel. Samuel and Smith are only separated by four spots in my wide receiver rankings. It's 17th for Samuel, 21st for uh, Smith. For Smith. Um, and a player-for-player player trade seems much more fair in this. Uh, you know, Just Debo for Smith makes sense to me. But adding these picks... Uh, first and a second round really make it a one-sided trade in my eyes. And like I already said, Debo Samuel's going to drop now that Kittle is back on the field and Ayuk is uh, back into the good graces. Devontae Smith, you know, was traded this week just because he hadn't scored a touchdown or done very well. Well, this week he came right back and he's got a much better schedule the rest of the season. I think he's going to prove to be almost as, you know, score as many points as Samuel this year. So even if he did this from a win, win now, perspective. I think I like the Devontae Smith side of this trade far more. Next trade, another big one. Derrick Henry in a 2022 first round pick is traded for Joe Mixon. Uh, This trade was made between a contending team and a rebuilding team. It's kind of a classic rebuilding versus contending trade. The team who received Mixon is in second place, mainly based, of course, on the production of Derrick Henry. And so now he needed a replacement for Henry to stay in contention. And the team that received Henry and the first round pick is in second to last place, and he can use this trade to rebuild his team, but he also increases his chances of finishing last and maybe dropping to the first round draft pick, you know, or the first pick of the draft. Um, I don't have a real winner and loser in this trade. I think both teams did exactly what they needed to help their teams. Uh, it's an excellent, excellent example of a dynasty trade between a rebuilder and a competitor. Derek Henry, a uh, first round pick uh, for Joe Mixon at this point in the season. A pretty good trade, I think, for both teams. Next one's a small one. Boston Scott was traded for Mark Ingram. Uh, I actually made this trade in a league where I have Alvin Kamara on my roster, and I just wanted to have Ingram as a handcuff since my team, as a competitor, would not fare very well if Kamara got injured. I've got no depth in this league, and so I just wanted to secure the uh, Saints' backfield. Um, the team that I traded Scott to was really hurting at running back, and he had Kenny Gainwell in his starting lineup, even after Scott outplayed him last week and then outplayed him again this week. Uh, I thought he might want to secure the Eagles' backfield, and he did, so he accepted the trade. Uh, sadly for him, uh, Jordan Howard has muddied the waters for the Eagles' backfield, that's for sure. Uh, that said, he made this next trade uh, after I made this trade with him, and that's what really helped his team. And So he probably wishes he had this trade back um, now that he made this trade. He traded uh, Aaron Jones 
to get Aaron Jones and traded away J.K. Dobbins in a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 first round pick. Well, so you can see his team no longer needs Boston Scott because he traded to get Aaron Jones, making him a, uh, you could call it, in it to win it this season. In my mind, uh, in this league, there are four teams that have championship rosters this year, uh, and he's definitely one of them. So giving up J.K. Dobbins in a second and third, or second um, and uh, first round pick, however, um, was pretty hefty price, I think, to pay. Um, I like Dobbins' side of the trade on this just because Jones is too inconsistent in his fantasy production. Uh, Dobbins is going to recover just fine from his injury and help the other team re rebuild quickly. And the 2023 rookie class is supposed to be better than the 2022 class. So I like that he could get a first-round pick in 2023 instead of 2022, uh, even if it makes his rebuild take just a little bit longer. This is a super fun, fun trade. It's going to be one that you want to look back and analyze a few years from now. Again, that was Aaron Jones was traded uh, for J.K. Dobbins, a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 first-round pick. Big trade there. Two more smaller ones here to mention at the end. Uh, Marvin Jones was traded for Kendrick Bourne in a 2022 third-round pick. Uh, this minor trade was in a 14-team all-flex league that I'm in. Um, neither side is clearly rebuilding or contending. I think the Jones manager just must have got tired of Jones' lack of production this year was ready just to move on from him and get a younger player and a pick uh, for him. And then the team that acquired Jones is 3-5, and five, while the team that received Bourne is 4-4, four and four, uh, and current, both currently wouldn't make the playoffs right now. I just bet that both teams uh, wanted a change in their roster. Both Jones and Bourne are startable players in this 14-team league with no kickers and no defenses and a 10-man starting lineup. So believe it or not, these are both startable players. I think in that case, I like the Jones side of this trade a little bit more because I like him more than Bourne. And a third-round pick in a 14-team league um, is pretty, pretty rare that it would hit. So close trade, but I like the, the Jones side of this. Uh, hopefully he can uh, make a difference for this team. Finally, uh, Manuel Sanders was traded for Mike Davis in a 2022 third and fourth round pick. Uh, the team that acquired Sanders in this trade is by far the best team in the league. Uh, they needed Sanders to start this week and provide them some depth, you know, as the, that they might make their march toward the playoffs. Mike Davis was useless on his roster, so he was willing to give him up along with what will be a very late third round pick and a late fourth round pick. Uh, the team that received Davis in the picks is a competitive team too, but was willing to give up one of their older players for back end, you know, running back depth and a few late picks. I think I favor the Sanders side of this trade since he can, you know, help his team right away this year, but it's close. Uh, the other team now is going to have more late round stabs, you know, in next year's rookie draft, which is hopeful since uh, very few of them pan out. At least he's going to have a few more darts that he can throw at the wall next year. Uh, pretty even trade. It was a father and son trade, so late night. Uh, D-Links right before the games started on Sunday. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders traded for Mike Davis in two picks, a uh, third-round pick and a fourth-round pick. It for week number nine. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much for your support. As always, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on Twitter than I am on, uh, or much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me via email. Would love to chat with you talk to you about your dynasty teams. As always, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple podcast. That would mean a lot to me. As an independent podcaster, 
thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.